This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Thirty minutes past the hour. Uh, over the years, I have been intrigued by a man that calls talk radio, and he'll call to talk about you know this subject or that subject, and then at some point in his call, he will say. For more information or to know the real truth, check out LennonMurderTruth.com. So many, many years ago, I think we're talking maybe even 20 years ago, I went to this website and I, I couldn't tell if what was on there was meant to be a satire, a parody of people that had odd conspiracy theories or if it was sincere and because – to me, the fundamental claim on the website sounded so outlandish and bizarre and something that I had not heard anyone else ever mention. I think, oh, this has got to be a parody. This has got to be similar to that guy who says birds are not real and the birds are just spying on us or some weird QAnon thing. This was even before QAnon. But I have become convinced after talking with this gentleman a few times on the radio and reading more of what's on the site that this is very, very sincere. And if he's right, this will be the most remarkable conspiracy theory of all time. Now, it all begins with the death of John Lennon. Many of you may remember where you were when you heard Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football announce this. Remaining, John Smith is on the line, and I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. Hard to go back to the game after that news flash, which in duty found we had to take. Frank? Indeed it is. John Lennon, not only a great musician, but a, a really great progressive thinker, an activist for things like peace and other things. Well, I'm uh, very pleased to be joined by Steve Lightfoot, the author of the booklet Stephen King Shot John Lennon, which you can get on the website LennonMurderTruth.com. Steve, thanks for joining me on the radio. Good morning. Thank you, Frank. Uh, Steve, let's begin with the even before we get to uh, the the evidence of why uh, you believe Stephen King killed uh, John Lennon. Uh, let, let's talk just more broadly. I think everyone knows Stephen King is a famous um, novelist, mostly for horror, but other things as well. Written a lot of interesting books over the years. Why would Stephen King 
want to kill John Lennon? The, the number one emotion is rage against his father who walked out on him when he was two and a half years old. John Lennon's father also walked out on him, and yet John Lennon turned out great, while Stephen King turned out uh, working at a laundromat trying to eke out a career as a writer. And he was approached by the powers that be, and they made him a deal. We love what you do. We want to promote fear and horror. And, you know, I don't know if he met them or they met him, but some kind of a deal was made. And I'm glad that we get to the evidence last because, you know, it's kind of like I, I, I go to my friends and I have a handful of diamonds in my hands. And I go, look, look, trillions of dollars worth of diamonds. And they hit the bottom of my hands that are cut and scatter the diamonds all across the, the bushes. They go, where? Where? This, this truth is the biggest expose of all time. This is the biggest news story since 2,000 years ago. This is the kind of a story that is so big, we cannot handle it. So if Stephen King admitted he did it. If he admitted well, well, I yeah, want well, to get to that in a moment, though. But um, just so I understand the motive. So Stephen King was driven by rage in that he uh, ended up in a very different place than John Lennon did, even though they were uh, coming from similar familial circumstances. And someone else, some other entity, came to Stephen King and said, if you carry out this murder of uh, John Lennon, then we're going to make you a superstar writer? Is that basically the crux of why Stephen King would engage with this? That's part of it. But also, the other element involved is supreme jealousy. John Lennon was in a class of his own. He was without peer in this world. He, was, he had more wisdom in his pinky than the whole human race has collectively. He was that magic, magic, magic person one in a trillion that comes along that really is in tune with the universe better than the rest of us and was made to lead the human race. And these are exactly the kinds of people that our government kills. And I want to say this. I don't know if you're Jewish or not, but Howard Cosell, Barbara Walters, Larry King, Albert Goldman are basically the only people who have ever mentioned the words Mark Chapman on their lips. They're all Jewish media. So I think oh boy. if the Jews we were go. behind this, that they thought he was literally the second coming, and that scared them. Um, all right. Well, okay. Uh, putting aside the Jewish aspect of that for, for a second, uh, let's talk about Mark David Chapman. Uh, Mark David Chapman uh, – now, the one thing I will absolutely concede is that Mark David Chapman looks a lot like Stephen King. Can't dispute that. There's no arguing that. However – uh, Mark David Chapman was on Larry King's program. I believe you just referenced Larry King. And mm-hmm. um, he. this is a little bit of an interview that uh, Mark David Chapman did with Larry King back in the, I believe this was in the uh, mid to late 1980s. I don't have the date in front of me. I think it was around 1988 or so. This is uh, Mark David Chapman on Larry King. I was standing there with a gun in my pocket. Knew you were going to shoot him? So, sorry? Knew you were going to shoot him? Absolutely. Okay. Tried not to, praying not to, but knowing down deep it was probably going to come to that. Did you know it would be that night? Did you know you would see him again? Yes, I knew that morning, oddly, when I left the hotel, I, I had some type of premonition 
that this was the last time I was going to leave my hotel room. I hadn't seen him up to that point. That's what makes it interesting. I wasn't even sure he was in the building. And then uh, I left the hotel room, bought a copy of The Catcher in the Rye, signed it to Holden Caulfield from Holden Caulfield, and wrote underneath that, this is my statement, underlining the word this, the emphasis on the word this. I had planned not to say anything after the shooting. Walked uh, briskly up Central Park West to 72nd Street and began milling around there with the fans that were there, Jude and Jerry, and uh, later a photographer that came there. And then it's about an eight-minute interview. It's available on the YouTube. People can watch it. But why, I guess my question, Steve, is why would Mark David Chapman admit to killing Steve, uh, uh, admit to killing John Lennon if he didn't? Okay, well, first of all, let me, let me go back to Larry King. I confronted Larry King on uh, uh, a, a KABC over here in the West Coast a long time ago on Ron Owen's show, and I told him, you knowingly interviewed a, a scapegoat who was paid to lie to the, to the universe, and you did that, and you knew in advance. And then I was cut off, and Ron goes, I'm sorry about that, Larry. And Larry King goes, it's okay, Ron. It's all going to come out eventually anyway. So Larry King is admitting that he was part of a scam. Well, first of all, nothing I, more powerful. Uh, there's nothing more powerful scam-wise than to have a scapegoat, to have someone who admits it. I can't tell you how many people have told me, well, they caught him on the spot. He admitted it. You're crazy. No, I'm not. You're crazy. That's what they do. They give you some, he went that away, some false lead, get you looking that way while they're doing something else this way. And he probably did it because he blames Lennon for his mental problems because he had a bad LSD trip. Wait, he so was insane to begin with. Chapman. I've talked to Chapman. Yeah, I've talked to yeah, I've talked to people who were in the Attica prison in the cell block where he was supposed to be all this time, and they said they've never seen him. And their opinion is that Chapman's living in a witness protection situation with his family, with his with his parents. And that he only goes to prison for photo ops. Uh-huh. So and that the warden, the warden, the, the governor, the mayor, the, the everybody involved is New York corrupt. All right. So uh, Chapman, when I ask the question of why he would say that he committed this murder when he didn't, your view is he's actually not in prison. He's uh, somewhere else enjoying life and b- being free. That's right. In fact, if you look at the Barbara Walters interview, everyone else in the jail has their face obscured. You know, the guard, the, the warden, the this, the that. It's all in the shadows, all kind of spooky. And let me tell you, the, the people, they know. I mean, I'm talking 90 percent of people in the world at some level know this is the truth that, oh, my God, Nixon and Reagan let Stephen King kill John Lennon. And our life is a ridiculous joke. Satan rules the planet. Everybody knows that at one level because we're not stupid. It's kind of like everybody knew when the Beatles were going to be on the next day. Just There's some kind of a universal knowledge we have, but everyone is so jealous that one man, Steve Lightfoot, could have such a powerful story that he stumbled across by accident, and he's, it's going to change the course of history. It's bigger than history. Okay, so it's let's bigger than fame. If okay. people can't stand it, then I got it. Okay, so let's talk about how you got it. And if people are uh, 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Are, uh, just tuning in, we're talking with Steve Lightfoot. His uh, website is uh, LennonMurderTruth.com. The booklet that he's written about the John Lennon murder is available on there. Uh, let's uh, provide some context to the theory. What evidence led you to conclude that Stephen King was involved in John Lennon's death? Okay, well, I knew the moment I heard Lon Lennon was shot that the government did it, that this was too big of a murder for some nobody to do. We're being lied again, just like Oswald. I don't believe one word of what I'm hearing. And I knew that the minute I heard he was shot. In fact, before he was shot, and he was making his comeback with his double fantasy album, a voice in my head says, oh, no, John, don't come back. They're going to kill you. And sure enough, they did. So about a year and a half after the murder, after my fellow man failed to demand a trial for the man who shot John Lennon, they let him skip trial because, well, Hinckley came along and shot Reagan. We had to change the subject. I'm even suspicious about that, okay, that whole Reagan Brady thing. Right. Because the whole thing about killing John Lennon was to take away your guns, to make you hate your guns. And Reagan is suddenly making us hate our guns. As a matter of fact, Hinckley, uh, Hinckley said that he shot Reagan because of John Lennon's murder, that America is a land where heroes are shot in the back. When John Lennon died, I died, you died, everybody died, the world died. So Hinckley was quoted as saying he shot Reagan because he thinks Reagan had John Lennon killed. Well, a year and a half later, after Chapman is wiped off of the map and replaced with Hinckley, then Hinckley is found insane. So everyone is thinking, oh, well, Let's see, he thought Reagan shot John Lennon, so he was found insane. So, of course, that's not the case. That's exactly how the government does it, Frank. So, okay, I'm buying for the sake of this discussion that, okay, Reagan and the government were involved in the uh, shooting of John Lennon, even though Reagan wasn't even president yet at the time that uh, John Lennon was killed. Totally Uh, legal. Totally legal. So, but where does Stephen King come from? That's kind of where I'm not. I'm not clear. Where, where where does his involvement come from? Where did you first draw the conclusion that Stephen King was somehow involved? Well, if I told you how I found the evidence that I'm going to, it's, uh, it's as if I'm the anointed one because the evidence fell on me like a waterfall. It's like I walked into the library one day and shazam, it hit me. Everything fell into perfect place. And here's how it happened. I, I read this little uh, clipping in the, in the newspaper on page 15 of the San Diego Union. Lennon assassin pleads guilty, sentenced 20 years to life. And a little teeny three and a three by four inch clipping on the bottom of page 15. I'm going, wait a minute. There's something very wrong with this, this piece of news. That should be seven inch headlines on the front page. Why is it buried back on page 15 and a little clipping? And the reason Chapman said he did it was because God told me to twice. How corny is that? So I knew the government killed him when I read that. All right. So, so about a month and a half, about a month and a half later, I found myself inextricably being drawn to a library. And I burst through the door like something big was going to happen. And sure enough, a year and a half after the murder, 
there's a copy of Us magazine on the first table I passed with John and Yoko on the cover. So I grabbed it, went back to the December 15, 1980 issues of Time and Newsweek and U.S. News and all these things. I wanted to read about what happened to Chapman so I can get a bearing on how he got lost in the mix, how the biggest murder of our lives that caused more suicides than any murder in history, how the killer skipped trial without anybody complaining. So as I'm going through Time and Newsweek, I'm flipping through the magazine, and I'm not seeing anything about John Lennon's murder, but all the headlines are kind of acting funny. A bombshell case goes poofed, jailing the news, silencing an almost free press, blinding justice, FBI, show of shows. I'm going, what the hell? And then I get to the headline above, just elected Reagan, and it ominously reads, who's in, who's out? I go, uh-oh, what is this? Reagan's in, Lennon's out. Is this some kind of codes that I'm fighting in the bold print at Time magazine? And I read the headline below the photo, and it says, fitting together the pieces of a complicated jigsaw puzzle. And then I look in the very foreground of this picture, the book by Richard Nixon, The Real War, is sitting right next to him, right in the foreground, like read this book. And then I find the same pictures in Newsweek with the same funny business in the headlines. So I open that book in the library and I open right up to the page where he says how perhaps a nation that equates celebrity with wisdom that looks to rock stars as its oracles deserves to lose. But too many of America's intellectual and intellectual elite have shown themselves to be brilliant, creative, trendy, gullible, smug and blind in one eye. War is bad and peace is good. A posturing with words is everything. And they decide whether nations or leaders will be depicted as good or bad. The time has passed when we could equivocate, when we could hesitate and keep our feet out of the muddy waters. But, you know, we basically got to get in there and get our, our hands dirty and kill this guy because he's changing the world and he's stopping our military. And that's basically what it is. So I realized, my God, I think Time and Newsweek documented everything in the bold print and Nixon and Reagan are caught dead to right. So I left the library feeling nauseous, like, oh, my God, what did I just that this can't be true. So a week later, I went back to the library downtown San Diego, and I found a motherload of bold print codes. And I realized, oh, my God, I, this is for freaking real. I found cryptography in the bold print of Time and Newsweek. I got to get out of here. I don't know anybody in San Diego except this girlfriend. I had to leave a girlfriend behind and go back to Santa Rosa where I was raised so I wouldn't be killed. And up there, months later, I find... Mark Chapman attached to a letter to the editor of U.S. News, and the letter says, like millions of volunteers in the armed forces, I am a pawn waiting for some giant hand to move me to some hostile square. How uncomfortable a soldier can feel when he finds out that a hand belongs to Ronald Reagan. Mark my words, I don't mind fighting for my country, but I hope those make such vital decisions with his utmost wisdom. It's not only Mark Chapman, it's Mark David Chapman. It's not only Mark David Chapman, it's Mark David King Chapman. It's like, my God. So finally, I'm thinking, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not, you know, crazy. These are really, this is all adding up. And so finally, because the code's up to 75% frequency uh, a week before the murder, and an average of about 40% of the codes of the bold print plug into John Lennon's murder, like all the President's Magazine, thinking about John Lennon, kiss, mm-hmm. kiss, bang, bang, ouch, ouch the job Richard Nixon really wanted blast in the opposition. And so, so then I find this face because the, the codes kind of peter out uh, the farther away you get from the murder, like way back in September of 1980, there's hardly anything. And I'm at that space stage in the library on the microfiche when this face rolls by 
And I go, wait a minute, that looked like the guy getting John Lennon's autograph. So I roll it back and it says, Stephen King, one great big Zippo lighter. I didn't know who Stephen King was. I'm not trying to pin the tail on this donkey. Believe me, I wish it was not Stephen right. King. Okay, got it. And then, so you see that that's what Stephen King looks like. And then when wait, did wait, you... Wait, 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 wait. So I compared that photograph with the, with the autograph hound, and I go, that's not Stephen King, that's Mark Chapman. Chapman, some kind of a dead Vietnam vet. The government's using his likeness to fool us all. And then a day later, I read the article about what I had just found. Stephen King, hottest offer of the cult, blah, blah, blah. I go, oh, no, 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 not, not the guy who wrote The Shining and Carrie. And, oh, no, Nixon, you genius. Nobody's going to believe this now. Oh, are you the master criminal of the universe? Nobody's going to, if Stephen King admitted he did it, we wouldn't believe it. So that's where I was, and that's how I found. Then I found the same photo in Newsweek with a fresh haircut and a, and a new and a new uh, situation where he's taking his glasses off and he's hiding his dimples because as much as Chapman and Stephen King do look alike, only Stephen King and the killer getting the autograph have dimples, and only Stephen King and the autograph hound have glass prescription lenses that shrink what you see behind them. Right. So. Um... Steve, just because we do have limited time here, what specific evidence is there that Stephen King was, let's say, in the vicinity of uh, of the Dakota the night that John Lennon was killed? You know, I've heard different people tie Richard Nixon and George H.W. Bush to the Kennedy assassination, for instance. Both of them were in Dallas either on that day or right near that day. Is there any evidence to suggest that Stephen King was in Midtown Manhattan in December of 1980? Yes. A photograph of Paul Goresh, the man who took the photograph of allegedly Mark Chapman getting the autograph. That photo captures him getting John Lennon's autograph, and the photos prove it's not Mark Chapman because Chapman does not have the dimples. He does not have the correct prescription glass lenses and the, the hair texture and everything. It's just not, it's just, it's close, but not there. So there's that evidence. Plus, the day after the murder, Stephen King, after he got a, 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 a what happened is that the, the police arrested Stephen King, put a coat over his head so nobody could photograph him. And they walked him into the station, and then they switched him with Chapman. That's and right. Where was Chapman right. at the, the time the, of that switch, right before the, the switch? Yeah, pol- Chapman was in the police station waiting to be switched with Stephen King. It's, okay. Um, and, have, then, and then Stephen King was flown to Maine have you, on a jet. Have you, wait, 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 wait. And then the next day, he wrote about it in the paper. His article was titled, I read the news today, oh boy. So Stephen King, hours after he killed John Lennon, is up in Maine, writing an article about John Lennon's murder in the Banger Daily News. That's how sick it is. Have you consulted or collaborated with any experts in in criminology or forensic psychology to substantiate some of these uh, claims that you have? No, I'll tell you why. The whole world's phony. Anyone over the age of 15 is phony. And they're jealous of me, and they're going to try to shoot me down. And they're going to tell me everything. I, you know, if I, if I were to show you what I've been through in the courts here in Monterey County since I hit town here five, six years ago, you wouldn't believe that all these things could happen to one person. But believe me, uh, the world is evil. The world is corrupt. The media is corrupt. 
everybody, even Paul McCartney, who who endorsed me once live at Berkeley Camp concert. He goes, "Yeah, Steve, that's right. I don't know what you think, Berkeley, but I want you to know that we like it and we need you as a people to get to the promise." Even he, after trying to endorse me at Berkeley, is is, is a wuss and probably jealous of John Lennon for overshadowing him and does not want to help me. The whole world is, I'm literally going to make a sign. Right now, my sign on my band says, I'm legit, so who's FOS? My next sign is going to say, you satanic brainwashed monsters. That's where we're at, people. The, The lone hero with a handful of diamonds is having the world knock his hand so the diamonds get scattered all over the bushes trying to deny what he has found. Steve, No, folks, I found it. Can you handle the truth is the question. Were you arrested 10 years ago for trespassing at Stephen King's home? No, never arrested for that. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I went to Bangor, Maine in 1992, and I was there for six months. And Stephen King even approached me within six inches of me, and he's trying to get my attention. And I'm playing a song about him on my guitar in the center of downtown Bangor, Maine. And he finally realizes, realizes I'm not going to give him the time of day. And, he, and before he skulks away, he, he whispers, stuttering, to, to, to take care. I will, will want you to, 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 to take care. I, uh, and Steve, then he skulks away. On, on that note, uh, we are out of time. Um, maybe we can continue this in the future. Uh, if people want to learn more about the theories of Steve Lightfoot, you can go to the website, LennonMurderTruth.com. I, uh, I don't know about you. I'm convinced. That's it. All right. If you want to comment, 800-848-9222. Straight ahead.